0: We're going to talk about reaching for peace, and I, and I have to tell you two things uh, about reaching for peace. Number one, um, I, I wish that I could spend an entire series on this, and actually, as the Lord would have it, we are going to take an entire uh, series, I believe four or five weeks this December, and we're going to be talking about the Prince of Peace, what that means. So we're going to cover a lot uh, of, of different angles of this Uh, topic today um, in in just a few short months uh, come Christmas time. So uh, more is on its way and I've already been studying for some of those things uh, as the Lord has been laying uh, it on my heart and and as I've been uh, working through uh, some of these passages. Uh, But I want to let you know that um, Philippi is a real place that represented real people. This was a letter written uh, for real life situations, and, and, and I want to try to give you the context. And I've tried to do this a little bit each week to kind of, I can't take an entire Sunday and, and give you the whole context, but when I say Philippi, um, that's an ancient name. That's an ancient city, okay? Um, it's the modern Greek city of uh, Kavala in Greece, and, um, and it was a city known for its infrastructure. Actually, its its walls. It was a walled city. Now, these are not uh, walls from uh, the the time of Paul. Uh, these are about fourth century, fifth century Byzantine period, uh, and so. But they would have had something very similar to this. And um, actually, the the original word in Greek for um, for peace. Or the original word in Hebrew for peace is shalom, obviously, but Greece, it's this, uh, in in Greek, it's this word irene, which we'll talk about in a minute, but it literally means to be uh, compacted together, much like, if you guys go uh, to the next slide, um, in uh, these walls kind of up close, you can see how the bricks are compacted together, uh, a wall that's very loose. Okay, can just be pushed over, but a wall that is compacted together with something that's binding the stones together is what you want. Um, And so that that coming together, that togetherness, is the is the word picture uh, for peace that we see. And so these walls and these stone arches and the stone buildings provided safety for the people of Philippi. It provided comfort. I mean, they had bathhouses and all sorts of. Really cool things uh, for, for an ancient civilization, but they didn't have peace. So they had safety, they had security, they had comfort, but they were missing peace. You go a step further, and then you talk about the church at Philippi. Now we understand this letter was written to the church at Philippi. Now it gets a little personal, because now the church had the truth about peace, And they had each other, people who are supposed to be at peace with God, and they were missing peace. So so it begs the question, how could a church that was started by one of the greatest Christians, if not the greatest Christian to ever live, the Apostle Paul, who had the truth of God, who had the people of God, and they were missing the peace of God. How did that happen? And I want to say something that Jesus said. I don't, want, I don't want you to take it from me. But, but Jesus said that peace was possible. But your, your, your focus has to be in the right place. So, so now let's see what Jesus said in John 14. This is what he said. Peace I live leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, That word troubled is the Merino that we talked about last week. We'll talk about again this week. Worried, anxious. Let not your heart be troubled; neither let it be afraid. Uh, There's a lot of different verses like this that kind of uh, point out something that Jesus is trying to drill home. What Jesus is trying to say is peace is possible, but it is not inevitable. It's possible, but it's not inevitable. And we cannot just uh, sit down in a church service like this and say, okay, uh, insert peace here, right? There, 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 there's a, a, a refocusing, a readjusting, there's a surrendering, there's an expression that, that, that comes when, when we are focused on what Jesus just said, that Jesus is the source of peace. So here's the gap that we've created. Jesus is the source of peace. Great. That's awesome. Okay, Um, but I am lacking peace. Okay, and again, if you're not there, we're going to cover pretty much everyone this morning. Okay, so you're going to fall into one of these gaps here. So I am lacking what Jesus gives. How do I receive what what I need? Do you guys get that? So that's kind of where we're going. So let's ask some questions and then answer them from the text. Okay, so here's the three questions in pursuit of peace from this passage. All right, the three questions are this. Who's in control? So are you in pursuit of peace? I know I am. Our whole culture is, is, is in pursuit of peace. The 14 most stressed-out nations, the U.S. is number one, by far. You know what we're, you know what we're anxious about? Study last year, uh, done by several different research agencies. And, and you know what we're the most stressed out about? Possibly dying? And money. But guess what is number one, Not dying money. And so that begs the question, like, wh- why, why are we so stressed out? Why are we so anxious? And it, and it really does boil down to a desire for control. And then we're going to ask the question, where's our focus? So if you're going to release control, that's, that's easier said than done. You have to really kind of take a, a step back and, and readjust your perspective on some things. And how, when, when, when we uh, look at the focus it's either on Christ or on self and so and so how can we then overcome our selfishness that leads to ultimately to a lack of peace so those are the questions that 's where we're heading so let's look at the three ways to experience peace from this passage okay now these are we're going to study these okay um, and, and these are our three points for today there are three ways to experience the peace of God and I want to give them to you first then we're going to go over them in detail and then, Uh, Have no fear. We'll go over them at the end because I really want you to get these from this passage. Uh, First, we surrender control to God. Second, we refocus our thoughts on God. And then we express trust in God. Now, if you're sitting here thinking that's super simplistic, let me just say something. I am all for getting help for those who need it. I have always been a proponent of um, of you know, therapy and you know, health. You know, put your health first. I mean, listen. You only got one temple. God wants you to take care of it. Okay. So, there's a biological part here. There's a there's a metaphysical part. I get all of that. Okay. I studied that in graduate school, and 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 I'm I'm all for taking care of your health. But let me just say something. So so if you need to go see a doctor, see a doctor. So I'm not. But but we're talking about the spiritual side of things right here. And I want I, I want you just to really really lean in here for a second. That you could go to potentially hundreds of hours of therapy. And if you miss this, there is no medication in the world, okay? There is no therapy session in the world that will cure your anxiety without this. God has wired you to need what is in this passage. So, again, please know my my caveat before I said that, so don't take it out of context, but let me just say something that I really, really want to help if it's just one person in this room. Because this is, this is a debilitating problem in our culture. It, it is something that Satan has used to grab a hold and tear at the moral and structural fabric of our souls, and, and, and it's, it's unwinding the fabric of our culture. Okay, so, so I want you to get that this is not a man-driven, you know, um, just I hope this works type of message. This is something that could have a dramatic impact if you would let it, if you'll let it. Now, I want to give an illustration just as we start off, and I want to use Scripture to give it. I'm going I'm to throw a lot of Scripture at you, and I hope that you'll, you'll kind of digest this throughout the week. Okay, in Psalm 29, there's a, there's a fantastic verse that, that brought up imagery from, from uh, my upbringing in, in Iowa. But it said, the Lord sitteth upon the flood. And immediately when I read that this week, I realized that, that, that the Lord is sovereign regardless of what is chaotic around us. If you've ever been a part of a flood, I was a part of the 93 flood uh, in of the Mississippi. It was unbelievable. I saw people's houses right in front of my eyes get swept uh, into that massive flood. It was, it was something that we every part every person in our community were uh, shoveling sandbags and trying to stop that water. But I'm telling you, there's no stopping it. And so there are some things that, that are caused by sin. There are some things that, are, that have caused a chaotic society. Okay, so But the chaos around us does not have to create or put uh, anxiety within us. And that's what he's saying, it, the, the Holy Spirit through David saying, the Lord is sitting upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. We're going to talk about the sovereignty of God and we're going to talk about how important it is. But let me just say something, that the Lord will give strength unto his people and the Lord will bless his people with peace. But you cannot have the peace if God is not in his rightful place. And so what we want to do this morning is we want to take the priority off of our anxiety, off of our circumstances, and we want to place the priority on Christ. So let's look at the first first way. And and the first question we, we need to ask, okay, is who's in control? Who's in control? And, and it's either you or it's God. And so, number one, we need to surrender control to God. Surrender control to God. Now, where are we getting this, okay? We're, 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 we're just going to walk verse by verse through these six or seven verses in Philippians. And we've been going through Philippians the last couple of months. And, and we're in Philippians 4 in verse number 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known, be made known unto God. We read this verse last week. I promised you we'd come back to it. And one of the things I want to remind you about is the word careful. The word careful is not to be cautious. It is to be uh, obsessed. Um, It is to be uh, constantly worried about. Uh, But it's this word that literally means to uh, marry, uh, to stay, divided. No, no. Uh, no, it's, 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 a, it's a pulling apart uh, of, of two things. And actually, Jesus uh, talked about this. He, 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 he talked about a pulling apart of two uh, different things. And, and, and he talked about this in Matthew uh, chapter 6. He says, no, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, okay, or he will love the one, uh, or else he will hold to the one, Uh, and and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. So he's using money as an illustration. But he said, you have to choose what you're going to focus on as a priority. And and by the way, God knew that money and value, monetary value, would be a high priority because it's something we need to function. But it is a great servant, money is, and it's a terrible master. So if money's our master, we're constantly going to be pulled apart Because we're going to be focused on one thing rather than the other. and We're going to try to be serving those two masters, but you can't. One has to be your complete master. One has to have a priority over the other. I meet a lot of people who are lying to themselves, and I've done this to myself as well, about their priorities. And so what Jesus said is, therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life. Now, when he says take no thought, he's not like saying don't plan, you know, don't think through things. I mean, we're in a in a moment in our church where I'm encouraging you to think, to sit down for seven minutes a day and just kind of really take some time, uh, create some white space to be able to hear God and understand what your priorities are and all of that. I'm all about thinking, and so was Jesus. Jesus took time to think, okay? So, he he, he came apart before he came apart, okay? So, But but he says take no thought. Well the the take no thought word is 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 that word where where it's talking about don't be anxious don't don't be overly concerned overly obsessed about your life what you shall eat what you shall drink now you don't probably obsess what you're gonna eat and what you're gonna drink but you might obsess about something else how you're gonna buy what you're gonna do what's next what if so so all of these things could be inserted into this. For yet your body, or, uh, uh, nor yet for your body, what shall ye put on? He's like, don't worry about your clothes. Where, what's going to happen? It, it's not about the outward. It's, uh, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? He said, you know, there are some things that are more important than what you're eating and what you're wearing. Then he says this, behold the fowls of the air. So now, my imagination is just kind of kicking in. I mean, Jesus, I'm, I'm sure, was outside. We believe he was outside speaking this on the Sermon of the Mount. And so he's, he's near Capernaum. He's, 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 he's got this crowd, and, and, and he's using the hill as kind of an amphitheater. And I'm sure he pointed to a bird, and he said, Behold the fowls of the air, maybe a, maybe, maybe a bunch of birds. And he's using an illustration to say, You think those birds are worried? I mean, look look at what he says. The fowls of the air, they sow not. They're not worried about where their foods come from because they didn't sow it. They sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Uh, Are ye not much better than they? Say, well, I guess, you know. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, no matter how much we think uh, about birds, okay, you probably didn't think a whole lot about birds this week okay but 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 birds of the air are taken care of by God. you say, well, i've met a stressed out bird, okay well, maybe you have okay I, I brought a few pictures of birds that look stressed out, but i don't think they are okay <laughs> so um so so regardless of of you know, what we might be able to capture on a photo that, that says these birds are, are, are completely taken care of by worms and fish, and God makes sure the birds have food. Now, notice the notice the Bible says, fowls of the air, not of the ground. Because there are some birds that do lived, live very stressed lives, okay? Um, I'm appreciative of, of one of our members that I'll leave nameless, who gave us some chickens. If you have chickens, they are not fowls of the air. They are stressed and worried. Okay, how many of you ever heard the the term, running around with a, like a chicken with your head cut off? Okay? And so, fowls of the air float, glide, find food. They're not stressed. But my chickens... This is my, th- these are my chick, not literally, but this is my chicken, okay? All right, just, will not shut up, always making noise. I mean, you know, and I don't have a rooster, praise, praise God, but let me tell you, those chickens are, are constantly stressing each other out. Uh, you know, making noise and, and, and all sorts of things, running around. Why are you running around? You got, you got your food? You got your water? What's there to stress about? So the fowls of the ground need to kind of look up and see the fowls of the air and say, hey, we need to learn from that. How many of you know we need to learn from that as well? So Jesus said, I want you to, I want you to take a minute and think about your life, but don't think about it so much that you're obsessed over what you're gaining or what you need or what has to happen. You see, The reality of our lives is that our peace only comes when we realize who the giver of true peace is and that we could have every piece of clothing we ever would desire or every meal taken care of or we could have financial security or we could have job security or we could have every box checked and still be anxious. And so this is what verse 7 says. I want you to see verse 6 and 7. Okay? So can you guys put verse 6 and 7 up again? Okay. So it starts with, don't be anxious. Okay? So it says, be careful for nothing. Then it says, let your requests. So are you getting the pattern here? And then it says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So You enter with worry, you let it go. How? Through prayer, then the peace comes. Okay? So I want you to see this pattern. You have you 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 start to worry about something. You're you're either gonna face that worry, you're gonna face the Lord. And, and, and then you have this moment in your life where you're going to say, okay, here, here, here I am. I, I, I'm, I'm worried, but I need his peace. And so I'm going to let the peace, guys put up the word peace. It's the word a Irene. I'm going to let the peace of God rule and reign to keep my heart. It means to join together. Uh, it's, 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 it's from the, uh, the erene, or arrow for, means to come together. The welfare of the soul, the um, undisturbed soul, soul, the undivided, despite di- difficulty, the freedom from worry. I mean, this is the type of peace that God can give. So, so how does peace keep us from worry? How can I surrender in prayer the things that I'm worried about? I want to show this to you. Um, I'm going to ask Ricardo and, um, um, I'm going to ask Jared to come up and help me. Okay. So, so let me give you kind of a, of, a visual and Ricardo grabbed those two signs, uh, there. And, uh, I'm going to have, uh, Ricardo be, uh, truth and I'm going to have Jared be worry. Okay. Um, not that he worries too much. Okay. But just for sake of illustration, um, and, and I'm going to be one of one of us okay so we're just living our lives okay so you're here on Sunday morning you're listening to the truth okay so what I'm trying to get you to do is I'm trying to get you to to latch on to truth and, and the longer you hold on to truth, what this verse says, go back to the verse guys is this verse um, sorry um, this verse says that that the 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 peace with paths, with all understanding, shall keep your hearts. Now the word keep, okay, is this word. Um, It it, it means um, to guard against an attack, uh, to keep in protective custody, to ensure the welfare or freedom of. So do you get how the peace and the keeping are kind of hand in hand? So the longer that I'm pursuing truth, the more truth is holding on to me. And you're like, that's great. So truth can keep me. Yes, the problem is the moment you walk out of here, okay, you're going to see worry. You're going to see a reason to worry. And, and you're going to start holding on to worry. And, and, and truth's going one way, and, and worries, you're, you're holding on to worry. And the longer you hold on to worry, the more worry holds on to you. Do you see that pulling Ah. That, that feeling physically is what you're feeling spiritually Monday to Saturday. See, because you feel pull apart. Guys, put worry back up there, the careful word. So, so here's the word for careful again. It says "Mary, no. It's to stay divided. It's to be pulled apart. Truth is pulling you one way. I know this is true, but what if but but I, I i don't know if that's true 100% and so surrender to god is saying i'm going to turn my back on worry and every time it grabs on to me every time it grabs on to me i'm going to choose the truth and i know it's going to keep grabbing on to me but i'm not going to stop holding on to the truth do you guys see how surrender works Every single minute of every single day, that worry is going to be just following you, grabbing, trying to divide. And so what we have to do is say, I'm going to choose the truth. Thank you, guys. So here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. The takeaway is this. We have to suffocate our worries. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. And that's really strong language. But suffocate our worries while giving our soul spiritual CPR. Now, it's something I've been doing this year. And... It's been something that I've really tried to allow some time in the morning to put to death my worries. And and, and again, I do it this way, you can do it however, however it works for you, but I cannot suffocate my worries, I cannot turn my back on my worries without having some white space. So, uh, right next to the, the, the CPR, okay, which, which I'll, I'll go through that acrostic, there's some white space. I want you just to circle that white space in your notes. Okay, just circle that white space. And I want you to write there that God made me to need white space. You, you were made. Did you know that, that, that if, if the text on your phone gets too uh, cluttered, your, your mind has trouble even processing it? Did you know that Apple and Google will eliminate white space on their uh, user agreements so that you won't read it? They've thought this through. They know what they're doing. If you put white space, then it makes it a little bit more easy to read. Let me tell you, that silence and white space in your life are needed to process your priorities. And so, how do, you, how do you wake up the priorities in your life? How do you focus on the truth? Well, first of all, you have to confess. You have to confess. So after you've turned your backs on your worries, you have to go right into confession and say, God, I confess the fact that I've given more priority to my worries and my circumstances than I have to you. And then, after confession, there needs to be a time of praise. So the P in CPR is to praise. And God, I choose to focus on you. I choose to worship you. I'm thankful for who you are and what you've done. So I'm praising every single day. I'm not just confessing, this is is what I've done, but this is who you are, and I'm going to focus on who you are. And then there's a time of request. Now, guys, put up verse number uh, 6 and 7 again. He says, let your request be made known unto God. Do you know what keeps us from requesting Things like peace, one thing, pride. We don't want to admit to ourselves and to God that we're lacking. And so pride keeps us from these moments where we're begging God, God, I need you, I have to have you, I can't do this without you. The thanksgiving, that supplication, the the request being made to God, focusing on who God is, not just on what is about to happen or what needs to happen or what could happen and so we can be pulled apart by uh, by the adversary we can be pulled apart by our pride we can be pulled apart by lots of different things but ultimately we need to humble ourselves as 1 Peter 5 and verse number 6 says "Before the under the mighty hand of God uh, that he will exalt us in due time you see it's not my job to be exalting to myself it's my job to be casting all of my cares upon him, for he careth for me. The word casting literally means to roll off of. The word care in this verse, uh, literally at the very top, second line down, verse number seven, the word care is this word, merry no. It's that word for obsessing. It's that word for anxiety. It's that word for worry. But then it says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace. I, I want you to have a moment right now that says, yes, I know there's an adversary, and yes, there are problems, and yes, there are disappointments, but the God of all grace What does the God of all grace do? He does this. Who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while. Ooh, I don't like that. After ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I hope that this message settles some hearts, settles some minds, but it can only settle the soul that's focused on Christ. And so it is prayer that focus, focuses us back on Christ. Prayer is the battlefield on which worry, and, uh, worry wins and loses. True surrender to the sovereignty of God is the single greatest stress reliever in our lives. Prayer is recognizing the sovereignty of God. And so as we wake up every morning and we give this CPR to our soul, uh, we can elevate the presence of God and, and, and eliminate worry and anxiety in our lives. See, anxiety always escalates in the absence of prayer. And so where is your focus? Is it on circumstances or is it on Christ? Number two, if we're going to pursue peace and, and experience peace in our lives. We're not just going to uh, forsake the anxiety and surrender the, uh, the worries to God. We have to refocus thoughts on God. Refocus our thoughts on God. Verse number eight says this. <clears throat> it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So he says, now there's got to be a refocusing. There's a a surrender that has to take place, verse 6 and 7, but then there's a refocusing. So there's seven daily choices that we must make for peace. Uh, Is it true, the thing you're thinking about? Is it true or is it just emotion? Is it just feeling? Are you going to choose between truth and emotion? Honesty or hypocrisy? Uh, principle or pleasure, love or leverage, integrity or complacency, excellence or excuses, worship or worries. Those are the seven things mentioned in verse number eight. If uh, you are a student of these things, I would encourage you, look up those words. And understand that the words that I provided are are kind of our modern day words, the words, the decisions that we're having to make based on the words that are presented by the Holy Spirit. And so we we can't become overwhelmed with our circumstances and overwhelmed with who we are uh, in everyone's perception and allow God to do his work. But the, the problem that I face, and maybe you don't face this problem, but the problem that I face is I get overwhelmed. I see a list of seven things and I start to freak out. Like, oh my goodness, I can't do that. So let me give you an illustration. Something that we were doing at the property yesterday was shoveling. Uh, shoveling lots of different things. And, and <clears throat> when we were shoveling, um, I didn't bring it, but Ricardo was helping me. He, was, he had a bigger shovel. So I'm using this shovel, you know, and I'm trying to get it, and, and I mean, my, the load kept on falling off. Here he is with the good shovel that I wanted, but he took it first. He's helping me out, and we got this big pile, and I'm like, man, we're not going to get done. We had other places to go, and I started shoveling, and, and I'm, I'm complaining about my shovel, but you know what's amazing about that big pile is just one little scoop at a time. We got through it. You know what I think causes a lot of worry and anxiety in our lives? Is the comparison of our shovels. And right about the time we were finishing up, I looked at my shovel, and then I looked across the way, and there was this shovel. I thought, well, could be worse. (laughs) Could have had that shovel. You know what I realized in, in that moment? That it's not the size of your shovel. It's the consistency of your shoveling that matters. And I will tell you, some of you are just starting your Christian life, and you're like, I don't even have a shovel. <laughs> like, I'm clawing at this thing with my bare hands. And, 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 and it's not, I don't even see the progress. And so, you give me a list of seven things, Paul, and, and, and I'm overwhelmed. Some of you, that list caused you anxiety. Like, oh my, what, how am I going to do it? And it's not about the size of your pile or the size of your shovel. It's about the consistency and shoveling to say, I am constantly going to refocus every thought, every desire, everything, and I don't care where it takes me, but I- I'm not going to be overwhelmed by the amount of refocusing. I'm just going to take it one scoop at a time. Now, some of you don't realize that there's a great analogy that that I'm so glad that we don't have to know about, that we can just kind of think about this morning. And it's the analogy of shoveling snow. I think I have a video of a guy shoveling snow because many of you have not ever had the privilege of shoveling a lot of snow. It's great for the first five seconds, folks. It gets real old real fast. Your back really starts to hurt. Now, obviously, this is in fast motions just so we could keep it going. But let me just tell you something about shoveling snow. After a while, it gets old. And after a while, you can be like, man, I'm, I'm going to be here all day. But the only way to shovel, to clear off this walk so that it's safe, the only way to get anything done is one scoop at a time. And there is a moment in your life where you're going to look back and say, wow, man, I've I've made some progress and I'm thankful for that, but you still have so much more to do. There's so much more to more to do and, and, and so, so many more places to go. And in, in, with the Holy Spirit. And so this is, this is the word picture that I believe Paul's using when he says, all of these things, I want you to think on these things. And the word think is logizomai, where we get logic from. And, and it's taking into account or reckoning to consider, to dwell on, to maintain focus on. You're focused on the right things. You're focused on The peace of God. This is how Paul said it to the church at Corinth. He said, above all things put on charity, that's love, which is the bond of perfectness, that's progress. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. That word dwell means to continue to ponder. Let it continue to simmer. Allow the word of God to to marinate. Allow it to come in and just continually change you piece by piece. Or if I could say scoop by scoop. And so here's, here's the key thought from this passage, from this point. That the thoughts that stay in our heart tend to be found in our actions. By the way, vice versa. The the, the, the thoughts, the truths that are in our actions can be found in our heart. It's vice versa. You have to refocus your mind by refocusing your priorities and your actions. So Paul in verse number 9 gives us a process for turning intentions into actions. I don't have a lot of time to go over this, but verse number 9 says this. After he says, think on these things, day by day, think on these things. Verse 9 says, those things which ye have both learned, received, heard, and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul says this. He says, you've heard. You've seen some things in me. You've understood some things. But now you need to accept it. You need to accept it as truth and do what the truth demands. Paul talked about this to the letter of Ephesians. He was talking about the the relationship between... um, Servants and masters, or, or for us, it would be employers and, and employees. And he says, don't do it for other people, uh, not as men pleasers, but doing the will of God from the heart. When it's in your heart, you're living it out, knowing that God will reward those who have done it as unto him. So the question is, how can we, how can we overcome the selfish nature to want to be focused on ourselves? To want to hold on to the things that we think if we let go of, uh, it'll it'll have a negative consequence. Well, let's look at number three. We've surrendered the worry. We've refocused our thoughts, and now we need to express trust in God. Express trust in God. Now, there's three ways in these verses, and I want to show you these verses, and then we'll unpack them as, as as we finish today. There's three ways to overcome selfishness. And I want you to see these in verse number 10 through verse number 13. And it was interesting for me to study verse number 13 because it's a very, uh, you know, common verse. But I want you to see the context of it in this passage. Verse 10 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for as I have for I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Let me stop right there and just point out that Paul is not using it in this way. But I'd like to point out that whatever state you live in, you can be content. We we live in a state with some challenges. But Paul's trying to point out that it doesn't matter the circumstances. You you can move to the state with the lowest taxes and still be discontent. You you could be flourishing uh, in your personal um, time and resources and, and still be so focused on self that you are missing peace. And so he said, you wanted to bring me a gift. You wanted to trust God in order to give this gift, but you didn't have a season. You didn't have an opportunity. And he said, I'm going to talk to you about having an opportunity now to give, but before I tell you about that, I want to say that that it's not about trusting yourself. It's about expressing trust in God. He said, I've learned that I can be content in trusting God God. Now, how do we know that he's talking about trusting God? He says, uh, I know both how to be abased, not having anything. I, I know uh, how to abound, having lots. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So he said, regardless of what's happening, verse 13, let's read this together, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, here's the remarkable thing. About that verse. The context of that verse, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, is actually having the strength to give. Having the strength to trust God enough to go without. He's saying, I'm not asking for your gift, but when you trust God enough to give, when you express your trust in God through giving, through serving others, through focusing on others. God then allows you to have His strength and His provision, which we'll see, and He will give you the contentment, okay, to be concerned for others, verse 10, to be contented with what God has given, verse 11 and 12, and to be connected to the power that God gives only when we're giving. So when we're giving, when we're expressing our trust in God, We are receiving the power and the peace of God. But when we're focused on self and when we're unsurrendered to trusting God, to expressing our trust in God, then we go without His peace. And we go without His power. That is why the season that we're in, the season of giving, that the church of Corinth was in, when when they gave to the church at Jerusalem, When this church, the church at Philippi, was in a season of giving, when they gave a gift to Epaphroditus to go back and give to the Apostle Paul. Now, those churches were in a season just like our church is in a season right now. We're in a season of expressing our trust in God or neglecting our trust in God. And so the choice is really between having the power to be able to trust God or rejecting that power, but also rejecting his peace. So here's, here's this entire choice wrapped up in one verse. And it's one of my wife's favorite verses. When I first met her, it was, it was one of the verses um, that she had hanging on her wall. And it was, uh, I think, painted on her wall, actually. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted." In thee, I'm going to ask my boys to come up there here if they're if they're in here uh, and if they're not I will I'll start oh here they are look at this my goodness so Chandler is my seven year old some of you have met Camden he's my ten year old all right and I want them to illustrate this point and then we're going to be finished all right um, and this was not uh, uh, pre um, rehearsed okay but um, Chandler could you be uh, could you represent worry for me today? Okay. All right. So Chandler's uh, not that he's a really worrisome person, but but he's going to represent worry. And um, Camden, all right, is just going to represent one of us. Okay. So Camden's one of us, and 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 Chandler is one of us too. But just for this illustration, he's going to represent worry. Okay. Um, now, uh, in order to and again, I I'm a I'm a visual learner. Some of you probably have found that out by now. Uh, I have to kind of see what, is, what does it mean to be kept by the peace of God, uh, to understand the peace of God, to, to live in the peace of God. And I think sometimes we separate a lot of the, the different phrases in the Bible from each other, and I think they have to be kind of married together to understand these things, that when we are in Christ, okay, we are placing our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations in Christ, Okay it's something that that we have to be hid in Christ as Paul said. That we have to walk in Christ as Paul said. We have to live in Christ. So everything we're doing, we're placing ourselves in Christ. Now when we're in Christ, okay? Go ahead and hop in, all right? When we're in Christ, we can be kept by by the peace of God, okay? So do you, do you trust me enough to to, to to go for a little ride? Okay, all right. So, wherever God leads us, okay? Don't worry, I'm not going to go down the stairs, okay? Yeah. So, wherever God leads us, we're, we're going. Now, the thing about the peace of God is that when you're in Christ, okay, you are protected in Christ and who He is, and, and everything that He's called us to be. Okay, but but there is a temptation to be in Christ, and then if you could grab those those um, two two uh, pages right there that we used earlier, um, that's awesome. Yep. So every time that we're in Christ, or or if I could use this, okay, focused on truths, so you say, how do I how how do I know I'm in Christ? You're, walking in his truth, okay? So, so he can have the peace of God because he's focusing on the truth of God, okay? But then there's this little thing called worry, <laughs> all right? And the, 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 the difficulty in the Christian life is not that we are in Christ. We are in Christ. It's that along with being in Christ, we are also, okay, sometimes tempted to put worry alongside our truth. And so you can't really... Do do you see how it's... This is not the way God intended it to be. So you're like, I'm in Christ, but you're really, really close to your worries too. So you're having anxiety, but you're also... Wanting to have peace. And so you say, I want to be kept by peace. You can't be kept by peace when you're living with worry. And, and the point is, we, we've been married to worry so long, we don't know how to divorce it. We, we've been so, we have fallen in love with our anxiety. And so the, the, we, don't, we don't know what life looks like, to be without worry. Now, now this is one thing, okay? But here's another, okay? Here, come on out. Cam, do you trust Cam- Chandler to push you around? The answer's no, okay? <sighs> when, when worry's driving us, okay, nothing but trouble happens. By the way, I wouldn't trust my little brother to push me around on a stage. I don't care how many people are watching, okay? So I get that. But there's something so much greater than worry. And I, and I want you to get this picture. And friend, when I was about 25, something, something hit me. And it was the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. And if, if this is the only reason God has you here today, I truly believe this could set you free. Because in this passage, there's something that we miss There's a a theme that we miss. Ricardo, I want you to go grab grab the the last piece of this. Because when when I talk about the truth, what I'm talking about is the truth of who Jesus is. The truth of who Jesus is, is what puts a barrier between us and our worry. The, The reason why I always end with the cross. And a lot of times I'll begin with the cross. The reason every single week I'm talking about the cross of Jesus Christ is because what Jesus did on the cross made it possible and gave us the power, okay, to have the strength, okay, to do all things through Christ. So we can only do all things through Christ because Christ did what he did on the cross and rose again. The reason worry and anxiety get so out of control and and can push us around and they and, and, and be, it's such an incredible force is because the truth of who Jesus is is not our identity so the word identity means something you, you you place your value in and so what happens is if the cross does not define our identity then anxiety will always come because things have been Pushing out the identity of Jesus and putting on the identity of who we think we're supposed to be. And so let me me just explain it this way. I'll put this over here. If we're living with an identity that's based on things on this earth, if we're trusting in our position, if we're trusting in a person, if we're trusting on something that's temporary we will always have worry. It will be close to us and we will never be able to get rid of it. It will always be there. But when we are in Christ, walking in truth, and we realize that our failures died with Jesus and our successes died with Jesus, then what we can really do is we can rest in the truth of who we were. See, down in the bottom of this is a pillow. And one of the the terrible things that happens through anxiety and worry is a lack of rest. And I'm not just talking about sleep. I'm talking about rest. See, Jesus quoted all Ten Commandments except for one. He didn't quote to keep the Sabbath. Why? Because Jesus was the Sabbath. And he said, you were meant to rest in me. What does that look like in a day-to-day? The pillow of your rest is your identity. You're resting in who you are in Christ. And friend, if you're not resting, if this is not what you're depending and resting and putting all of your faith in, then you will you'll you'll always be searching for something more. You will be discontented. The, the truth of who God is and who God has made you, you to be will set you free from worry. You've got to put some trust in it. So so here's here's where the, the final part of this message kind of comes to your response. And generally I would take some time to, to, to allow you to think about it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you something to think about first. That trust in God has to be something that's done in your actions not just in your thoughts. I can say all day that I trust in God. But if I'm not willing to show or express my trust, I don't really trust Him. One of the greatest things that can ever happen is if you take a step of faith to trust God because it tells your soul He's the priority. The reason why we encourage generosity and giving is because it is a literal step of trust that you tell your soul He's in charge that he deserves the glory. He deserves this gift. And so if next week you're going to give to the church just because you feel like it's something you have to do, friend, you've missed the whole point. Next week is about us giving to God because what, a, what God has done for us, it is us divorcing ourselves from ourselves. It is us putting a barrier between our self-identity which is what causes all of our worry and anxiety and the identity that's in Christ. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.